Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm
the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the air of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. I've read a portion of the third chapter of Second Peter. Shortly after writing this, he and his precious wife were both crucified for serving Jesus Christ. He knew he was to die soon, and he spoke very frankly with us. And yes, ignorant and unstable people distort the scriptures to their own destruction. They distort the scriptures to say that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot remove the old man of sin. They distort the scriptures to say that you're once saved, always saved. They distort the scriptures to say that you can continue to walk in your sin and still enter into Jesus Christ and salvation. These are ignorant and unstable men and women who teach these lies of the unconditional love of God, that we do not face a judgment and that fire will not destroy us if we continue to walk in rebellion against him. This is very troubling to my heart. I didn't sleep well last night. I tossed and turned and dreamed. Because I'm so very concerned about dumb actions, unconsciousness, inability to see the truth. It's prompted me to take you today to a story that will explain much. It's found in the book of Genesis, 
the book of beginnings. In this story, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, in his pre-incarnate state, comes to meet with Abram or Abraham. And he now tells them that the promised son will come soon. Within a year, he tells Abraham and Sarah that they will have a son. Not through Hagar, but by their own aged bodies. All Sarah could do was laugh. Am I now to have this pleasure? (laughs) When they leave, Abraham accompanies Jesus and two angels as they walk away from his tent and walk toward Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham lives up on the top of the hills, while down in the valley that is lush like Egypt lies Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, when you're with someone of importance to you, you can tell when they have something on their heart, something they want to say to you. So they walk along. I suspect Abraham does not say a word. But finally, the Lord speaks, and this is found in Genesis 18, verse 17. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. This is an aside, but I need to say it to you because it's a a terrifying truth. God has made many of us wonderful promises. Those promises will be fulfilled, providing, the Lord said, by doing what is right and just. Those promises are conditional promises. They are dependent upon your obedience to the word of the Lord. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. The Lord said to Abraham, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have said is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Immediately, Abraham knows by these words that God's intention is to bring the judgment of fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding villages and towns that he intends to utterly destroy them all. He begins to negotiate. He says... What if there are 50 people in the city who are righteous? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike? Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham has the courage to even speak in such a forthright way with the God of heaven because his heart cries out for Lot 
who lives in Sodom. And for the people, the Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. They continue negotiating. And finally, what if only 10 can be found there? And the Lord answers, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Two angels arrived in Sodom. It was evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. The gateway of the city is the place where the important and wealthy men of the city sit to make community decisions about governance. When he saw the two men, he immediately got up and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. Lot knows the city he is living in. We're told that Lot was a righteous man, that he was grieved by the wickedness of the city in which he was a part. He was not sufficiently grieved to leave the place because his wife loved Sodom. I'm sure she loved the shopping, the ambience, the food. She loved Sodom. She loved her life there. She could be up on the hills as a shepherd's wife with no buzz, no excitement. These men answer, no, we'll spend the night in the square. But he knew exactly what would happen to them if they stayed in the town square. They were not safe. They would be harmed. He insisted so strongly, so stubbornly, that they finally agreed. Lot prepared a meal for them. His wife did not. He baked bread without yeast. He prepared the meal, and they ate together. Before they'd gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. They wanted to sodomize these two angels. It gives me great sorrow to say we live in Sodom today. Washington, D.C., America has become Sodom and Gomorrah. We have the lifestyle. If you look carefully at Ezekiel sixteen forty nine you'll find the descriptors given by God of why he was so troubled over Sodom. The sexuality is one of the issues, the sodomizing of men, homosexuality. But many men today in America not only are homosexual, but many men sodomize their wives sodomize their girlfriends. This is utterly evil before a holy and righteous God. Why? Because it's filthy and because it's degrading and because it takes a person into a place of shame. Lot argues with these men of the city. He says, no, my friends. I want you to hear that. No, my friends. 
his friends are wicked men. This is a wicked place. He knows these men personally. Don't do this wicked thing. And then he wickedly offers his daughters. They don't want women. Women are for childbirth in that culture. And men are for pleasure. He says, don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of the way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. Wait a minute. Weren't they taken captive by a whole group of powerful warrior kings? Didn't Abraham have to muster his forces with some others and go and defeat these kings and reestablish Sodom because Lot wants Sodom? They forget the past. They forget the blessings of God. They cast them aside as nothing. Surely that is also the descriptor of America, a country so richly blessed by God and now so utterly evil, now so given to sodomy and to lifestyle. If you go to that Ezekiel passage, you'll find that description of why God was so upset. Let me turn to it quickly. I want you to see this. I'd not planned to turn to it. But I will. It's found in Ezekiel sixteen forty nine. Ezekiel sixteen forty nine. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed or fat and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me, like sodomy, like homosexuality. Therefore I did away with them, as you have seen. Now, this story that I'm sharing with you today is, for me, one of the most terrifying stories in all of Scripture. Why? Because it shows that God, with premeditation, holds a conversation with Abraham, his servant, about destroying a whole area, geography, Sodom and Gomorrah and all the little towns and villages. It's terrifying because Sodom doesn't know they're being talked about. I want to tell you, right now, America is being talked about in the heavens above. If we could be privy to the conversations going on in heaven, we would understand that God is planning a judgment by fire. Peter was privy to that discussion. And he said that at the end of time, God would bring the fire of judgment on the world and burn it up and everything in it. That's terrifying. I want to bring it closer home. Did you know that God holds conversation about you? As he looks at your behavior, he sees the arrogance, 
He sees the lifestyle. He sees the continual turning to lust in your entertainment, in the way you deal with your wife or husband or the way you deal with strangers. He sees the affairs. He sees the fornication. He sees the pornography, which is fornication and adultery. He sees it all, and and they have conversations. These things are all reported to him by the watchers who keep very accurate, close records of your behavior, of your attitudes, of, of what you're doing with your time and your money and your talent. All of that is being spoken about, and the reports are being filed. Constantly, they're filed. And one day... The judgment will come, and it will be a judgment by fire, but not before you are consciously, and I say that again, your judgment will not come finally until you consciously stand before a holy God, and there will be no escape. And if you are judged by Almighty God, based on his observation of you through the years. He's going to make a decision about you, and you will have no power to counter that decision. His decision will be absolutely final regarding your future. Conversations are being held now about you. You think you're private. You think you can go into your closet and do what you want to do. You can, you can sit at your computer and look at what you want to look at. You can go out to the nightclub. You can go to the dark places of the earth and listen to the music and the grinding, the drugs, the drinking, the alcohol. In fact, if you're honest, some of you love the atmosphere of a club. You love the darkness. You love the throbbing music. You love the sexuality. You love the stimulation. You love to party. And then you love the fornication that follows the party. Some of you men love to go to the strip clubs. Try to convince your wives to go with you to the strip clubs. Some of you try to convince your wife to get on the stage and strip. You get off on that. God watches all of this. He sees the business deals you're involved in. He sees when you cheat, when you lie, when you steal. He sees when you are self-indulgent with your with your purchases. And he's making a decision about you for eternity. And if it is judged that you are not worthy of heaven because you have rejected the Lord and you have rejected righteousness and you have lived in ungodliness, you will be brought bound before the judge. You will be given a chance to answer for your wickedness. And if you did not repent and change your ways. Angels will pick you up. They will physically carry you and throw you into the lake of fire where the devil and the false prophet and the beast, the Antichrist, This is not a place prepared for human beings. It was prepared for the devil. But it will be for you. Based on the watcher's reports concerning you. And so we find the angels finally speak to Lot and they say 
Do you have anyone in this town, sons-in-law, daughters, sons, anyone in this city who belongs to you because we're going to destroy this place? The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. This is a strange concept to us, that we would be held accountable for our behavior, even, yea, the behavior in secret. Everything will be exposed. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, hurry. I come saying to you today, hurry, hurry and get right with Jesus. Wake up, turn from your sin, turn from being lukewarm. You know how you stop being lukewarm? First by confessing your lukewarmness and then beginning to repent for those many times when you have turned away and not read the scripture and not prayed because you were self-absorbed in the world, the flesh, and the devil. Oh, you were a Christian. You went to church. But you make Jesus sick. Hurry. Hurry. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. He hesitates. He knows what his wife is thinking. But the men grasp his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters, and they pull them out and head out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. May I add, because of Abraham. Flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. The day is going to come when the Lord is going to say to those of us who live in the city, Hurry up, leave, I'm about to burn this city. Now everyone will not be notified. The lukewarm will not hear the warning of the living God to flee for their lives. But if you are a sincere and honest follower of Jesus, before the fire comes, he's going to warn you before the judgment of God comes upon us, he's going to warn you. I want to share this with you. Lot says, no, my lords. Can you believe the hubris of this man? The arrogance of this man. When the angels are trying to deliver them and he's arguing with them. It's this argumentative attitude. It's this, it's this stubbornness that causes such trouble. No, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you've shown great kindness. No, he had not found favor in the eyes of God. Abraham had found favor in the eyes of God. I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here's a town near enough to run to and small. Let me flee to it. It's very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He thinks his life is in the town. It's not. It's in the hands of Jesus. Do you know what's most upsetting to me about all this? In his pride, he would not say, let me flee to Uncle Abraham. 
Why not? Abraham was safe. It was shelter. It was provision. He's going to lose everything he owns. His sheep, his cattle, his donkeys, they're all going to be destroyed. They're going to be burned. The angel was very gracious. He said, very well, I'll grant this request too. I'll not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land, and then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew the cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. I visited that area where Sodom and Gomorrah once stood. Utterly burned, destroyed. Nothing lives there. No grass grows there. The brimstone is still there. You can find pieces of it. You can light it and it will go into that hot, burning, flaming brimstone once again. It's a terrifying place to visit. It's a place of utter destruction. While at one time it was a beautiful a beautiful place with water flowing, a beautiful place, semi-tropical. And now it's bitter, bitter desert, destroyed. Forever a reminder that the fire is coming here, that Washington, D.C. will burn at the Lord's command. America will burn. If you look in Revelation, the destruction of the whore, of the woman who rides the beast, it indicates that America will be utterly burned, that it will be uninhabitable. It will be a flaming torch. And all the people who live here will die in that fire. Now my heart trembles to tell you the next part, verse 26. Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Lot's wife loved the life of ease and wickedness. She loved the entertainment. She loved the wealth. She loved the sophistication of her culture. She despised Father Abraham and Sarah. They were country bumpkins. She loved the lifestyle of Egypt, of the wicked. She looks back with longing in her heart. They had been warned, do not look back. But she looked back. Now, I've had to ask myself some questions about this. What is it that I really want? Well, I can tell you, everything that I truly value is ahead of me, not behind me. 
I could look back and I could see wonderful times. I could see my precious wife, Jan, whom I lost to cancer. But you know what? She's not behind me. The memory is, but she's not. She's gone. She's ahead of me. Everything I value and treasure is ahead of me. My mother, my father, they're ahead of me. Heaven is ahead of me. Jesus is ahead of me. I'm not going to look back with any longing. I'm going to look forward with eager anticipation. It doesn't matter what I have to go through. I know I'm coming into some hard times. Hard times financially. Hard times physically. I'm not getting younger, I'm getting older. I know that if the Lord tarries, I'll die of old age or sickness. But I look beyond that. I look forward to a new Jerusalem. What's your address, Ray? Where do you live? Revelation 20, 21. Heaven is my home. I've laid down everything of this world that could possibly hold me. I want everyone to come and go with me. I want my daughters and their husbands and my grandchildren. I want you. I want everyone to go forward into this amazing place called heaven. Everything ahead of me is what my heart longs for. My heart doesn't long for anything now in this world. But I long for everything in Jesus. I'm very grateful for those who are close to me, who love me. I'm very grateful for my wife. I'm very grateful for my daughters and my grandchildren my sons-in-laws. I'm very grateful. But none of these am I so grateful for that I would allow them to hold me back from going toward where my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed in heaven. My heart is fixed with Jesus. I'm on my way. I said this morning, I've been very dumb in my life. I've made dumb decisions. I've done dumb things. I've been grieved by many of the dumb things and dumb actions that I've taken. I look at the holy men of God and the scriptures like Abraham, who shortly after all of this happened, went to live in Gerar with Abimelech. And what does he do? After God has just promised him that within a year they're going to have the promised child. He's been waiting for years for this promised child. What does he do? He gives his wife to Abimelech, the king of Gerar. Dumb. Dumber than dumb. And God again has to step in and say, No. Because of all of his dumb things he's done, he's finally told years later, Take Isaac, your only son, and offer him on that mount of sacrifice. And when God finally saw that he would obey him, he said, because you have obeyed me, don't touch your son. 
but because you have obeyed me, I will keep my promise to you. Oh, my brother, my sister. Have you done dumb things like I have? Have you said dumb things like I have? Have you caused yourself much difficulty and trouble as I have myself? And often my dumb arrogance have have caused others trouble. I've repented of my dumbness. That doesn't mean I'll never do another dumb thing. I know myself. I don't trust myself at all. I trust Jesus. And so I wait upon him now. It's hard to do a dumb thing when you're just waiting on Jesus. (laughs) When you're waiting on Jesus, you stop doing dumb things. You just wait on Jesus. And that's where I'm at. That's not to say I'll never do another dumb thing or say another foolish thing. I will, probably. I'm human. I don't excuse myself, however. But I know the mercy of our God. I know the kindness of our God. Instead of judging me, he's called me to repent to repair, to submit, to make amends, to pay my debts. I wait now for the coming of the Holy Spirit before the raging fires of judgment come upon America. Now please take very seriously what I'm saying to you. Don't look back at this world. Don't look back at your lifestyle. Don't look back to the easy days when you had money. Don't look back when things were much more pleasant. Look ahead to the coming of Jesus. Be washed and cleansed. Be made whole by the blood of Jesus. Don't be caught in foolishness. Don't be caught in stupidity. Yeah, there I said it, didn't I? Don't be caught saying and doing stupid things that cause offense, that cause trouble, that cause God to have to stop and bring judgment upon you. Turn now to the living God of heaven. Verse 27, this is Genesis 19, 27. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. He returned to the place where he'd stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plains, he remembered Abraham. And he brought Lot out of the catastrophic loss. Now Lot and his daughters are going to do some things that were really dumb. The daughters committed incest. The daughters committed incest and produced the Moabites and the Ammonites who were enemies of the people of God. Lot in his pride never went to Father Abraham, even though he'd lost everything. Don't be proud. Don't do dumb things. Repent and get right with Jesus. Go where he sends you. Do what he tells you to do. This story is terrifying. 
only because I know God is also looking now at my life and at your life, and he's making decisions for eternity regarding you. What is his decision going to be? Almighty God, I pray for each person who's listened to this broadcast today. I ask that you would, for the sake of Jesus Christ, rescue them from their foolishness and their rebellion and their wickedness and their lukewarmness, from their compromise with evil. Lord, would you rescue them and wake wake us up, Jesus? Wake us up. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're coming to the end of this month, and we don't yet have the money in place to cover the cost of the radio for this month. But I'd love to hear from you. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give, then please give as he directs. Write to me, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go to our webpage, National Prayer Chapel, one word, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find many videos and podcasts, many resources to help you on this journey. They're all free. You can also give online. I look forward to hearing from you. Has this message today touched your heart or are you offended? I pray God is moving in your heart and preparing you to escape the fire that's to come. The judgment that is about to come on America. God bless you, my brothers and my sisters. I love you. I'd love to meet you in person. You're welcome to come to the National Prayer Chapel. We're a small house church right now, but we're very serious about prayer. And we're serious about the Word, and we're serious about getting right with God. You're welcome to come if that describes you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. With great joy Now unto him who is able To keep you from falling And to present you blameless Before the presence of his glory